everyone. Welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. Here with ESPN, Zach Lowe, to talk about the possibility of seismic change in the NBA come the 2021-2022 season. A proposal that is being discussed between the Players Association and the NBA that will change the way the league does business. Stay with us. Let's take a run through the story we had on ESPN on Saturday, you know, outlining the conversations going on between the league, the Players Association, about, you know, seriously changing the landscape. Um, seismic change, really. I mean, it really is for how an NBA season looks, potentially for the 2021-22 season. And essentially four elements, Zach. A 78-game regular season, a 30-team in-season tournament, play-in games for the 7th and 8th seeds of both the Eastern and Western Conference playoffs, and then the reseeding of the four conference finalists, the NBA's Final Four. Where do we start with this, Zach? Well, the one that I had not heard about until you told me about it was the reseeding of the conference finals, which I would assume is a reaction to what happened two seasons ago when the Rockets and the Warriors played in the conference finals in 2018, and it went seven, and everybody knew these are by far the best teams in the league, and the finals was a was a letdown, uh, a 4-0 sweep, actually. And so there's, there's sort of an outcry stemming from that, I think. Well, let's make sure the finals is the finals. That one I didn't know about, though. That That's an interesting one. It seems like a compromise to me between let's just pick the 16 yes. best teams, which the East owners will never go mm-hmm. for because they're wimps. And, <laughs> and I'll say it, they're wimps. They're, they're self-interested wimps. That's fine. And what is present day? And, and it seems like a compromise. And I, I can't decide how I feel about it. But that's the one that really surprised me. That's a, that's a big one. Let, let's start with the reasons you wouldn't do it. And the one that I've heard a couple times, really since we reported the story, both from a couple executives in the West actually, was, wait a minute. We're not waiting these schedules. And having the best seed in the East versus the best seed in the West, it's easier to get it in the East. How do we account The West for teams that? play a harder schedule right. because they play themselves 52 times. Right. And so, in effect, this the same thing in, implicates the one to sixteen seeding. You know, in effect, the gap between the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference is even bigger than it looks like when you just compare net standings because their strength of schedule is so much harder. And it's true now too. The East is still bad now. It's still the the, the bottom of the West has taken a little bit of a hit this year in terms of the playoff race, but it's still the conference disparity is still real. Here's a funny thing: the goal would be to get the best two teams in the NBA Finals. But the best two teams aren't necessarily going to have the best two records, especially like hypothetically if you're the Clippers and you're going to load manage Kawhi all season long and you don't, you know, the, the Lakers have a better record than you. The Bucks have a better record than you. I'm not sure in the end it accomplishes. It was the case with in that Warrior Rocket season two years ago. They had the best two records. They're clearly the best two teams. They had the best two records, right? They had the best two records. It yeah, wasn't yeah. close. But you know, yeah. even even so, 
I was actually surprised by my own reaction to it because I was I generally I I crossed the Rubicon a couple years ago on let's just go one to sixteen because I'm sick of these crappy Eastern Conference teams making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And but you, you like there's zero chance that Michael Jordan's going to give up the opportunity to win 37 games. Of course not, and get the AC. I, I understand. Rachel yells at me. All, Rachel yells at me all the time that this is not not, not yells. She tells me correctly that the East will never go for this. This is not realistic. I'm like that's fine. I'm just sick of them making it. it. The, the West it would be a 15 to nothing vote. Of course it would. 15 nothing. Mark no Cuban would wear like a party hat into right. the into the vote. You'd be so happy. <laughs> um, but I was surprised at how I felt about this one, which was I felt pangs of nostalgia. Like I, I still feel that there's something cool about you get to the finals and these two teams have only played twice in the regular season because it's East versus West. And 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 sometimes like in a lot of these finals because of how often players rest now and injuries and stuff like that, one or even both of those games are just essentially not real games. Right. And so you come in and you're like, I don't know a lot. Now, Lakers-Cavs, obviously, or, I'm sorry, Warriors-Cavs, obviously by the end you got to know the matchup because they played all those times in a row. But – it, it, I like going in and be like, oh, I kind of don't know a lot. Like the sample size doesn't tell us a lot about what's going on here. This is kind of fresh. I like the East versus West aspect of it. I get what the league is trying to do. I also like, even though the Warriors Rockets was clearly the best two teams in the league, like when you get a player like LeBron, you just don't know. Yeah. You don't, you don't know what he's going to be able to do on that stage. Yeah. And, and, you know, what was it David Stern said a long, long time ago? Somebody asked him his his perfect finals, and he said Lakers versus Lakers, right? <laughs> Lakers versus Lakers, and I, I guess Lakers Clippers would be that See, for the, the league and, and, in and the then, same building. Like now, listen, selfishly, we'd all love that. We'd park ourselves in L.A. for two weeks, bring the family, travel, and, and and you know what? The quality of play. Think about that. Without the, I hadn't thought about that till just now. Think of though too the quality of play possibly. With no travel, with those teams just locked in and, and an environment that's pretty comfortable, two teams have been able to stay in L.A., not have to travel. With that impact, quality of play. Now, there's so much time between days. I think it still would, though. Like, the yeah. the, the Warriors, Warriors East Coast, that, those were long trips. Even if it were, I'm just making this up, Lakers Jazz or mm. something. Like, that's a manageable, yeah. that's, like, not that long of a flight. That's a, And all the media demands they have as soon as they hit the ground during the finals, like, it, it, the travel is a lot. It matters. And everyone wants to say, well, it's private jets and this and that. I, I do think it was, and I hadn't thought about that easier either. I had thought about the, the counter-argument to my nostalgia is, like, LALA would be incredible. Mm. Like, if it were an all-LA finals, it would just be insanely cool the novelty would be cool i hadn't even thought of like they all get to sleep in their own beds every player gets to sleep in their own beds the whole series tiso is the official watch of the nba check out the latest timepieces on us.tisoshop.com in jewelry stores nationwide and on the wrists of nba stars like trey young clay thompson and more tiso is also the official timekeeper of the nba and is bringing you a special opportunity tied to the most iconic moment in the game, the buzzer beater. Every time a buzzer beater happens, fans will be rewarded with prizes, including flyaway trips, autographed merch, game tickets, and more. Sign up now at us.tisoshop.com slash buzzer beater to enter for your chance to win. Don't wait as a trip to the NBA All-Star 2020 will be rewarded soon. Tiso, this is your time. 
Let's go to the in-season tournament, which I think is, among all of these, the most complicated to put together. Number one, what does it look like? When do you do it? Which has been a big part of the conversation with them. And more than any of the others, can we get the teams to care about it? Are they going to treat it like, you know, summer league where the deeper a team goes into that tournament, the more guys leave town, right? Like there's fewer guys playing. And I, let's start with this. Why guys would want to do it? Well, financial incentive for players, coaches. The league understands that initially there'll probably be some rolling of the eyes and we're not going to necessarily care about this and make us care about this. And their hope is if it gets in and then it becomes a tradition and it becomes part of just the season, then guys will get into it. It'll become more important and it'll be what they hope it can. It is Adam Silver has been really focused on this for a few years. It's, it's an idea that comes from European soccer they want to give, number one, a very long NBA regular season. This is a way to break it up, to put some juice potentially into it, to give teams something other. This is a zero-sum game. Like, there's one champion at the end. And if all of a sudden Dallas is on a run and they get in this thing, and you know maybe Dallas can win the in-season tournament because Luke is playing out of his mind like he did with Slovenia, in the Eurobasket a few years ago where he beat a bunch of better teams when they got into single elimination. Dallas is not going to probably win the NBA championship in the next couple of years, but all of a sudden a team like that's competing for this. It means something more to them. Can we get the Lakers, Clippers, Bucks to care about it? Sixers, I don't know. But the idea of what does it look like, which is essentially pull play, Zach, within your built, division. Built, built into the schedule. Built into, built the, into schedule. the normal schedule. Yeah. Pool play, whether that's four or five games, there's six divisions. The winner of each division, so let's say it's a four-game stretch in post-Thanksgiving, four or five games, and the team with the best record in each division then goes to the round of eight that becomes single elimination, and then there are essentially two wild cards. The next two teams who don't win their division but have the next two best records and now you have eight teams in a tournament, quarters, semis, finals. Yeah, I I think it's certainly, of all the big proposals, the one that has met with the most skepticism from within teams. Like, I'm sure you heard it over the weekend. I heard it over the weekend. And most of it centers around the, is anyone going to care about this? Are we teams going to care about this? And I get that. Like, I just, I don't, What what is in it? What is in it for them? And the NBA, as you said, is counting on sort of like, the organic momentum of this, as long as it sticks around for long enough, it will sort of by default come to mean something. I guess that could be true. I actually sort of believe in that kind of organic momentum for events and things like that. But certainly without, I mean, we've seen in, in all-star, whatever the financial incentive you can give players to try hard or not enough. And they're not going to get a million dollars or whatever it is for winning this tournament. I don't know what the all-star incentives are now, but they're the, the players don't care. And given how much they make, I don't, I don't blame them for for not caring. Well, will you care more because it's with the group you play with every night versus just running around with these guys who you? I think it maybe... depends. It depends what kind of team you are. As you said, yeah. Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, Sixers, these teams that are gunning for the actual NBA championship. I, I just don't think the Sixers are going to play Joel Embiid forty minutes a game 
every game in this tournament to win it, whatever it's called, unless there's a big carrot for them at the end. I also think you hit on something or in just describing the tournament. I think you hit on sort of the inherent – it's not complicated – like that there's pool play and your and some of your regular season games are actually also doubling as tournament games but I do think there's going to be a certain kind of fan that's like this is just another thing like I got I got to pay like the, the 10 extra seconds I have to spend contemplating what this game is and how it relates to the tournament is like I don't care about it enough to to sit here and track what's what and where my team is going in the tournament but you know it's an interesting concept I I it is the one that's met with the most skepticism and I get the skepticism the original idea that they had given to the teams uh, around Board of Governors was a tournament that culminated in February around All-Star Weekend where they would have the Final Four coming into All-Star Weekend. And that was met with resistance on two levels from the players and teams. From the players, they did not want this tournament to infringe on their All-Star break. They wanted to have that rest. And what do you do with players who are playing in the All-Star game, but now they're also in this event? And they're still playing, and they've got to double up around that. And then teams having it around the trade deadline. So you have trade deadline, and then you have buyout market, waiver market, that it would uh, it would impact the integrity of the tournament, right? You'd have guys moving. What if a guy goes from a team that got eliminated to a team that's still in it and vice versa, or that having the trade deadline in there and so that went by the wayside. Let's get it out of February. Forget turning it into part of the All-Star Weekend event, which needs help in its own right. And that November Thanksgiving to mid-December, the NBA looked and said, okay, all we're competing with then is conference bowl championship games, which, you know, some are bigger than others, but none of them, they don't dominate the landscape quite the way some other things do. So conference bowl championship games and then the blue bonnet bowl, weed eater bowl. The pool and the pool and weed eater independence bowl. Yes. That was my favorite bad bowl name, the pool yes. and weed eater independence. They were bowl. just hitting the beginning of those and then they're out. The thing's done before, long, well before Christmas. This is the window to do it. And that's what we've been told they've focused in on Thanksgiving to mid December. Yeah. I don't love that. And I'm not sure that they do either. It's just so early in the season and you have so much turnover now that these teams are just starting to figure out who they are by the time we get to this, this window. Maybe it's the best they can do. It does feel early to me. I understand the all-star thing completely. Those players need rest. The players who aren't involved in the game will go to Cabo. They'll go to a beach somewhere and recuperate. And you know, I, I don't think that they want to infringe on that. My personal thought, this is just my personal opinion. Two ideas that I had were, number one, and I pitched these to some people in the league office, number one, is there a way to involve Martin Luther King Day? Because that's a big landmark day on the schedule, and it's also a day where they don't, I don't necessarily remember it as, they don't have like Christmas Day megawatt matchups on that day anyway. You right. know, Memphis, Memphis plays, and it's important game. for yeah. Memphis to be in, involved in that, obviously. I thought that, and I thought maybe this is too late in the season, but and maybe this is just totally bad TV theory. But I thought it would be kind of cool. Off nights during March Madness, could you capitalize on everyone's like basketball fervor mm-hmm. by holding? Is that too late in the NBA season to hold like the semis and the finals of that tournament on days when March Madness isn't playing? But I think that just might be too late. It just might be too late. Yeah, and that was one of the 
my sense was it was one of this qualifiers. We can't do it during March Madness, but it's not. There's so many off days during March and, Madness. And there, there are. There are. I mean, there's like eight tournament days and 22 days with no games. I understand there's a lot of hype and a lot of analysis on like what's going to happen in this well, game. You know, what, the- you know what we have on those nights, the off nights of March Madness? We have the NIT. Okay, that's right. I mean, I don't think the NIT is, key, you know. That's right. Players that's may point. treat this like the NIT. That's a good point. But I do think that, listen, I think that there is a feeling with Adam Silver at the top end of, of the league. And I think even among, I think, owners some owners and some executives like it's got to look different in the nba that the attention span this generation of fans that the 82 game and and we haven't got that what well, could be a 78 game regular season which is still significant that to keep the attention all year long that there has got to be some innovation in there that it just can't keep going on the way it is and expect that the rest of the marketplace, all the other options that are out there beyond competing professional sports, entertainment options, ways to watch on your devices is not chipping away at, again, a very long, tiresome regular season full of star players sitting on more nights than the league would care they do. Yeah, and all, all of this stuff to me is they're just all half measures until you start to discuss 82. And 82 to 78 is a half measure in its own right. It's four games. Some teams are going to play more than 78 anyway under this proposal because you get far enough in the tournament that you – maybe you even play 83 if you're in the play-in tournament right. as well. Um, so everything – this is all just monkeying around the fringes until you get to the real thing, which is the best players are going to rest – Whatever you want to call it, they're going to sit out games because 82 games is too many games. And, and until you want to tackle that problem, then I don't think anyone appears to have the stomach to do that right now. And 78 is not tackling the problem. 78 is, it's, it's nice. It's a, it's a little bite at the apple, just like the league has done a really good job to their credit. And I want to make that clear to their credit, cutting back to backs down to mm-hmm. about the bone, no more fours and fives. They've, they've done a really good job with that. They've just, they've stretched it about as far as you can go without the season going so long that free agency then goes into August and all that stuff. But until you tackle 82, I'm just not, I'm not really, this is all half measures. This, these are interesting ideas. I love the play in tournament personally. I think the play in tournament is an absolute no brainer. I don't understand what the objection would be to it. I think they've done it. They've structured it in a way that sort of balances the need to reward the best teams in the regular season and to have as many teams as possible trying until the very end. Um, but you know, these are, these are hard problems. Lay that out for us, Zach, lay out the structure of seven, eight, the seeds, seven through 10, seven, eight, nine, and 10 competing for that seventh and eighth spot. Yeah. So the idea was we want a lot of teams trying until the end, but Seven and eight, it should be an equal playing field once you get into the playing tournament. Those teams are better. They have had better regular seasons. They should have an advantage. So they structured it that seven plays eight. The winner automatically gets number seven. Meanwhile, nine plays ten. Loser out. Winner then plays the loser of the first game 
for the eighth seed. So if you're seventh or eighth, you get two two cracks at it. You can lose a game in the play-in tournament and still get into the playoffs. Whereas if you're nine or ten, it's you're out uh, yeah, on one. Nine loss. or ten has to win twice. Seven or eight just has to win once. And you are in the playoffs. And, and that's their way of balancing. Okay, you've, you, you're in the play-in tournament, but you have achieved more in the regular season. Here's your advantage. We don't want to put the sixth seed in play because that risks putting a really good team, a better team in play. We don't necessarily want to put 11, 12, 13 in play because, you know, that maybe that's too many teams, but 11, 12, 13 should in theory have some incentives to keep trying to be 10. I think they've done a nice job with that. I think it's a yeah, good proposal. I agree. I agree. And listen, those teams aren't going to win that series anyway. They're not beating History, for the most part, like seven and eight aren't beating one and two, barring a lot injuries. So, yeah, injuries. And, That's why I've always said if yeah. they want if they want the playoffs to be more interesting, if they want to introduce a little more juice into the first round, they need to go back to best of five. But they're not going to do that. It's too much money are, left on the table. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. That's right. And what I've heard from teams about it is, hey, wait a minute. Like my team, we use their best player as an example. You know, so and so, who's let's say he's a first or second team All NBA player. Come on, he injures his ankle in the last week of the season. I'm the seventh seed, and all of a sudden I'm out because he, like, you know. And I get it. I get it. Listen, none of these are going to be perfect, but winning one or two games, and we saw what it looked like. We saw what it could look like. The league did three years ago. Denver, Minnesota. Denver, Minnesota. Last night of the regular season, the eighth seed at stake. It felt like I think it was like an NBA TV game. It was an awesome game. It was a really. I don't good even know if it too. was on NBA TV. It might have just been on their local. It was an awesome game. You felt the um, Denver had come from way back. They had had a brutal last month of the season. Lots of road games. You just thought they were done, and they kept winning on the road and set that night up, and that gave everybody. I think he gave the league league an inkling. Hey, that's kind of what this would look like. And people get into that. Yeah, I think the, uh, to, to play in to me is a no-brainer. And, uh, and look, the last month of NBA basketball as is, is awful. All these teams start tanking, holding players out. No one is trying. And, and I think it would, and the tanking, the, uh, not tanking, the lottery reform sort of chipped away at this a little bit in by decreasing the value of being the very worst team in the NBA. And I, I do think you would have a couple of teams in each conference trying for a little bit longer. Because you get in, who knows? Like you, 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 maybe you've had a lot of injuries and that's deflated your record and now you're fully healthy and yeah, you're number 12 in your conference, but you're, you're rolling. You're pretty damn good. Like you're going to go for it a little bit longer. No, exactly. And I think too, we have seen, listen, the math told you, just the math told you that the draft lottery was going to look a lot different. But until that moment, at the lottery where New Orleans jumps up to one and and you saw how it took shape, that this is going to be the norm, that there's not going to be much, if any, that the numbers have literally been flattened out. And so there is more incentive than ever for these teams to keep playing, that, that one or two games either way just isn't going to make any difference. And uh, this is another step in that line because, like you said, Zach, the last month of the season, it is bad for the sport. It is bad. It is too much time where there are too many people have bought tickets to too many games and are asked to watch games that uh, clearly those organizations don't value on any level. And why should, then why should anybody else care? Well, and it also, I mean, in a small way, now you could argue that it, it 
feels outsized. The importance of it feels outsized because it's late in the season, recency bias and all that. But it does infect the playoff race because if you are in the race for the eighth seed and you get lucky and your schedule is loaded with more teams that have given up, maybe those games would have been easy anyway, but like your chances of being upset late in the season or go down and like the other teams playing for the AC are like, man, that stinks that so-and-so got that team. They're holding out their players or holding out their players. It does start to impact the playoff race a little bit. The questions that the league has to answer for both sides, the league office in trying to get the union on board, get the owners, enough teams on board. Now, they can vote the way they'll vote. So the goal is to get this in play for the league's 75th anniversary season, which is 2021-22. And we were told for that to happen, there needs to be essentially at that April Board of Governors meeting that's on the docket, they need to be able to vote on it there to move forward with this. And April 2020. April 2020, this coming April. And that is not really far off for still all the constituents who have to get on board with all the details here. Now, it is conceivable that they could treat this like a buffet menu here. And or an a la carte? No, actually, an a la carte menu would be the right. Yeah, right. right. Like we we will do the there's essentially the three items, right? The in season tournament, the play in tournament, and the reseeding. The sense is they could vote individually. They could do all three. They could do none of them. They could do one or two. I think the league feels that they have tied in based on the scheduling in the seventy eight games that it's a little bit like a ball of string that if you're going to do the in season and you're going to do the play in that they've been intertwined by the reduction of the schedule, and their hope is they can get all three of them in. The union had been very against the play-in initially a year and a half, two years ago, when that was brought in. They've changed largely because they've been convinced they can make – there's a lot of money to be made on this, players and teams sharing it. The owners are very – It could become a sponsorship, you know, advertising and sponsorship, you know, honeypot. It really could. Yes, yes, and – Owners are concerned about the missed dates, you know, especially the big market owners who are going to lose home dates on this. Are we going to make that money back in this? They've been told that the league's goal is and the belief is at the very worst in the first year, this will be a break-even proposition. They hope they can even make a little money in the first year. But that over time, this will be something that's going to make money for them that this isn't – they're not doing this to lose money and and in the short term, no one's going to lose. And so I think once both sides have the evidence of that. Uh, so in other words, what you're saying is I, I'm the Warriors. I make X per home game at Chase Center, and I only, I'm losing two home games because I'm a 78 game team now. How, am I making enough money? Is the league yeah. making enough? That's what you're. That's yeah. The, the answer you're is about. the answer that they've been given is yes. Interesting. So, you know, there's that part of it for. Them and then you know I think the players, I think there's a sense with Michelle Roberts and the Players Association that they've got to be open minded with the league to growing this thing. I mean, what what do you think, Zach? Do you think that there's a is there a crisis point coming? Is it just being ahead of the? Is it trying to stay ahead of things? What what do you think the urgency is for the league to? We just can't keep going forward the way it is now. The status quo is not, status quo will not be good enough. It won't maximize what this league can be. Despite the ratings drop this year that has been well publicized and continues a trend that I think happened last year, 
I don't think it's a crisis point thing yet. It still feels to me like a league that is grappling not only with fan behavior and not only with players resting and load management or whatever it is, but also with the change in viewing habits and fewer people watching television and how are younger people consuming sports. It, it seems more like let's think about ways to get ahead of that than a, a oh my god ratings are down. This right. is this is a crisis. I still think the league is trying to figure out the impact of LeBron moving to the Western Conference. And clearly, you know, we've we, we've all worked together to more games are starting half an hour earlier this year to see how that works. And look, early season's tough. I think I think if we get to the second, it will be very interesting to see if we get to the second half of this season. Utah's good, Denver's good, both LA teams are good, the Bucks are good, the Sixers are good, the Celtics are good, and there's a sense of, wow, after five years of Warriors, this is kind of wide open. The league has to hope that translates into like everyone wants to see these games because if it turns out that it's actually really just better when you have one awesome super team that everyone wants to root for or against, that's that's maybe a problem. So I'm I'm interested to see how this year this year's late season, maybe late season is just hopeless. Maybe maybe there's so many bad games. But the playoffs, this year's playoffs, I think, should be an interesting test case. Absolutely. Uh, Zach, we could dig deeper into these. You've got to run. Happy Thanksgiving to you yeah. and the Lowe's. My favorite holiday of the year. It is a great holiday. Less pressure. You know why it's a great holiday? There's no gifts. You just come. Just food. Just food, food. Food and family. Food. And my yeah. family doesn't go nuts. It's only like six or seven of us. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a big thing. And no games on Thanksgiving. It's one one of the few nights a year where I can That's right. be a regular human for a little while. Yeah. Well, have have a great one, Zach. Uh, December 15th. Yes. The Woj Low Show is back. It's back. That's trade trade eligibility day. Yes, it is. We need a name. That, da- that date needs to get a name. It needs to be more like we need to make it. it so so I, we, we got to work on that. Well, Christina Daglas, our producer. What's her title? Producer? Czar. Czar. Uh, Czar. Czar. Yeah. Czar. yeah. She asked me, said, what, we, we knew that the trade deadline show was easy. She said, what's the name for December 15th? I said, trade season, right? It's pretty good. Trade season. Season is, is prolonged though. I feel like we need to find a day. Yeah. There needs to be a, it needs a name. Let's work. The, the listeners will workshop. Your podcast is very popular. Listeners, let's workshop this. Let's come up with a name. December 15th on ESPN. Actually, I don't even know if it's ESPN or ESPN2. I guess we should know. You'll know by then. We'll tweet it out. Yeah, some network. Look, check your local listings. Yeah. If there's any such, there, I don't even know if there are local listings anymore. You know, it's funny, funny enough, there are, well, on TV, obviously you go to the guide. I think yeah. that's what local listings is now. And I have been described multiple times now on multiple episodes of the Woj Low special. I've been named Chad Low. <laughs> which is Rob Lowe's either brother or cousin. And that many awesome. people have screenshotted it and emailed it to me and said, hey, you're, you know, you're Chad. Either Woj is appearing with Chad Lowe or you are Chad Lowe. That, could, that might yeah. be a ratings bonanza. Yeah. Chad it's, Lowe, are you kidding me? Third, there's always a third seat. Adrian Grenier and Chad Lowe. That'd yeah. be a big show. Yeah. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, Zach. We will see you on the other side of it, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to our guest today, Zach Lowe. And of course, you can listen to The Low Post with Zach Lowe, as well as The Hoop Collective with Brian Windhurst, wherever you get your podcasts. Check out Zach's most recent pod with Celtics guard Marcus Smart, already downloaded this week. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll catch you next time.